0: The world is saturated with stories about the small-town kid who leaves home to do great things. The motif is everywhere, from the Star Wars franchise, and I do mean the whole Star Wars franchise has has that, to real-life stories about athletes like Larry Bird, also known as the Hick from French Lick, Who doesn't love a good story about the small-town kid who did well? Well, the people of Nazareth don't care much for it. Because it's different when it's your own hometown. Now, I'm not comparing myself to Jesus or anything like that. But I would wager that many pastors have an anecdote or two of preaching in their home congregation. Here's one of mine. One Sunday morning, I arrived at my home church to preach, and I got there about ten minutes before worship was about to start. As I went up the stairs to the sanctuary, one of the members half scowled, half smiled at me and said, Yep, you're late. You're definitely Ted's son. (laughs) Sorry, Dad. So, the reception the people of Nazareth gave Jesus was just a little more hostile. They know this kid, after all. They've seen him grow up. He didn't seem to be endowed with any great wisdom then. Moreover, the rest of the family still lives there. Isn't this Mary's son, they say? Note, they don't mention Joseph. He's either already died or more likely... They're casting aspersions on Jesus' legitimacy. Aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? This is the first century Galilean equivalent of that classic Midwestern phrase, somebody's getting too big for his britches. How sadly ironic that after Jesus restores two people to familial relationships, to biological families, and more importantly to God's family, you remember back to last week, back to chapter 5, with the woman who was bleeding and then you have the girl who had died, after Jesus restores those people and their relationships, Jesus is rejected by those who are closest to him. The whole arc of chapter 6 is, a nun- is another intercalation, a story sandwiched between two similar stories. Evil strikes back in this chapter. Previously in Mark, we've heard unclean spirits speak. There, Jesus forces them out into the open. Evil in those stories is clearly identified. But here, in chapter 6, evil forces are far more subtle. Subtle where chapter 5 showed us the reintegration of people to their families and communities, this chapter shows us disintegration. They show us the reaction to Jesus in his hometown and the murderous actions of Herod and Herodias show us the breakdown, the disintegration of healthy communities and families. Although, you know, to be fair, Herod's family is absolutely destructive. It's not healthy at all. They show us what happens when evil gets its hold within us, when we find ourselves resistant to God's new unexpected healing action in our lives. God offers, through Jesus and John, an opportunity for the people of Nazareth and those of Herod's court, respectively, to repent, to turn around to turn from their ways which lead only to disintegration, death, and destruction, and to find forgiveness and new life in the coming kingdom. But the people of Nazareth can't hear that message from the hometown kid. They just can't hear it. It's like when you know your life is bad, and things are difficult, but you can't bring yourself to change because, one, they look at the source, and they discount the source it's coming from, Two, it would be hard work to let God work in you. And three, it's scary as hell. And I mean that. It's scary to change. With Herod and Herodias, well, that's not so much fear as it is. Wounded, pride, rage, lust, and stupidity. That's different. In this era of Jeffrey Epstein and Harvey Weinstein... Herod comes off not only as a weak bumbling idiot, but also he comes off as a creep I mean this is, he's this is his stepdaughter dancing, and he's so pleased by this that he offers her anything, which of course leaves an opening for Herodias to exact her revenge. These stories, the stories of Nazareth's utter rejection of Jesus and of the murder of John, unlike those of demonic possession, ring truer to contemporary life in North America. Other parts of the world are a different story, but that's beyond our scope here. So we've seen the effects of, we've all seen the effects of hard-headedness, hard-heartedness, pride, rage, stupidity, lust, ignorance and fear in our own families our own communities our own nation and in the world we've all seen it no matter how many opportunities were given to repent of these ways of death it seems like we collectively keep going back to them the old Adam and Eve in us keeps resisting Jesus new way of life way of new life as second 2 Peter says this better than anyone. 2 Peter 2.22 reads, It has happened to them according to the true proverb. The dog turns back to its own vomit, and the sow is washed only to wallow in the mud. So on our own, the human race would be doomed like the mythological Sisyphus, rolling the boulder of self-righteousness and self-justification up the hill, only to have it roll back over us again. But, there is hope. When we are resistant, Jesus is persistent. When we are resistant, Jesus is persistent. What does Jesus do after he's rejected in his hometown? Does he wallow in that rejection? Does he call fire down on the city? No. Despite the radical unfaith he encounters there, he still heals a few sick people. And he goes on with a major part of his mission to send the twelve into different villages, to cast out evil, to cure the sick, and to exhort people to repent, to turn around from their old way, and to embrace the kingdom. God's new way, Jesus' way. And from Mark's account and other accounts in the gospel, the mission is wildly successful. They do what Jesus gives them authority to do. They have the faith to go out and do it. Jesus' mission to bring reintegration, health, wholeness, and new life in God's coming kingdom continues today despite evil, sneaky, subtle attacks on it. It continued then and it continues now in us. Remember our mission statement. We believe God is calling people into a deeper relationship with Christ so that they may discover true peace and be prepared to follow Him in compassionate service. God continues to call us and others in this community into that deeper relationship with Christ who makes all our work for His sake meaningful. And even when we sabotage that work sometimes, which we do, intentionally or unintentionally, Jesus' promise remains true. Jesus remains persistent. Jesus continues to work within us not just to make us more aware of our preferred ways, our sinfulness which leads to death, but to give us the power to turn from them over and over and over and over again. It's like falling and getting back up again. Falling and getting back up again. You could probably characterize the whole Christian life that way. About falling and getting back up again. Through the help of Christ. Jesus keeps persisting in us to bring us back to repentance. Back to our baptismal roots. So whenever you hear Lutheran pastors talk about, remember your baptism all the time. And you obviously can't literally remember it because you were baptized as a baby. This is what they're talking about. Remember that Jesus has made you his own in baptism. Jesus has reunited and remembered you with the new person God created you to be in your baptism. That's what remembering means. It doesn't just mean, well, just remember it. It means put back together, reintegration. Remember your baptism. Remember who God has called you to be through Jesus Christ. Remember our mission statement. Remember your baptism. Remember your family and community of faith here at Shalom. Let's all remember that. And most of all, let's remember Jesus' promise. Jesus is utterly faithful, utterly persistent, even when we are not, even when we are resisted to him, when we don't believe. Jesus, when we are not faithful, Jesus is faithful. And that is what saves us. When empowered by the Spirit, we let go of our resistances. When we get up and get up and get up, we may be surprised and even delighted with what God is doing. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, your son Jesus encountered resistance to his mission during his earthly sojourn and still encounters it within the world and within us, his body, the church. Help us to let go of our resistance to his saving work and to remember that no matter what circumstance we are in, he is utterly faithful and utterly persistent to us, with us. Amen.